Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. In this case, it was marked abandoned because it was on the city street for more than a week with no license plates and no registration. Okay, so it There was no license plates. Well, there was a license the police, there wasn't. Uh, matter of fact, if you see the video, Maybe someone you'll stole see... your license plate while you were gone. This is the plaintiff, Lenny Howie. He says his car was towed by the defendant, and when he went to retrieve it from the tow yard, he was horrified. His seats were ripped out. The gear shift was broken, and he's here suing for the $1,563.97 he's owed by this fly-by-night towing company. This is the defendant, Brianna Nardi. She says she got a call from the cops to retrieve this guy's car. And that's just what she did. She has no idea what the cops do to the cars before they arrive. She didn't wreck the plaintiff's unregistered, abandoned car, and she owes nothing. She's accused of ripping things up. All parties, please raise your right hands. What you are about to witness is real. The participants are not actors. They are actual litigants with a case pending in civil court. Both parties have agreed to drop their claims and have their cases settled here before Judge Marilyn Million in our forum, the People's Court. The People's Court is now in session. The Honorable Judge Marilyn Million is now presiding. Litigants have been sworn, Your Honor. Thank you, Douglas. You're welcome. All right. Mr. Howie, you are suing the tow company represented here by its manager, Ms. Nardi, for $1,563.97 in damages that you say the tow company did to your car. What happened here? Well, what it was is that I had went to North Carolina uh, to visit my, my mother, who at that time had the virus going on. And I visited her. And then while I was down there, my cousin had called me and told me that my so you left New away. York to go to North Carolina to visit your mom, and you left the car where? I left the car in the resident area, where you don't have to like uh, move it the next morning. And this is like the that. resident area of where? A building where you live? Yes, a building where my my uh, uh, cousin lived. Oh, you don't and live there. So you left, and you left it there for how long? Uh, it it was there for a week. How long were you in North Carolina? Uh, about like, uh, well, it's a short time. I was going to stay down there for about like two two weeks. And during the process, 
uh, I had to come back home short and uh, in a short time because of uh, what happened to the car. Okay, so you parked your car and you left, and then your cousin calls you and says, "Hey, your car got towed." Correct? Exactly. Uh, the lady that, that that was complaining about the car, I had seen her uh, twice. I know exactly who the lady was. It's an older lady. She's about like in the 80s or something like that. Right. And she was looking out. She was looking out the door uh, every morning. I warm up the car, and I called up one time and told her, "Say everything's fine, Miss. Everything's fine. It's my car. It's my car." And I, I guess she didn't believe me because when I seen the paper, when I came back and seen the paper, the police papers, it was saying that she had totally kept calling three one one. To get the car, the uh, uh, the car, the tow. Well, the as it turns out, you didn't have authority to park there, and so that's why the police called the tow company and had them tow it. But Ms. Nardi, according to you, the police call you and tell you what? They'll let us know if it's either abandoned, in their opinion, or recovered stolen. In this case, it was marked abandoned because it was on the city street for more than a week with no license plates and no registration. Okay, so it there get- was a license plate. Well, there was a license plate. the police, there wasn't. Uh, matter of fact, if you see the video, Maybe someone you'll stole see... your license plate while you were gone. No, nobody stole my license plate because if you've seen the video, you'll see me taking the license plate out of the window. Out that, of the window. That's not it's where right a license to... plate goes. A license plate goes where the police can read it. So maybe that's what they meant. That, Either way, listen, you got towed. It was pursuant to a police. You know that the police did call her, right? You're not disputing that. Uh, do I know the police call her? Yeah, you know that the police called it in because a neighbor kept calling 311 over and over like you described. So she didn't just come out of the blue and tow your car. She towed your car because that's what the police instructed her to do, right? Your complaint is, according to you, they ripped up your car. Let's talk about that. What do you say they did to your right. car? Well, what, what it was is that if you see the video that my car was in good type shape. I had videos of my gun good type shape. When I got to the, the tow company, Back of my seats is ripped up. The the, the gear. Okay, hold on. Uh, you said that I'll see video of your car in tip-top shape. I only have one video of your car not in tip-top shape. Mm-hmm. Do you have a video of your car in tip-top shape? The pictures. Okay, pictures, not video. So you go to pick up the the car, and what do you see? Describe the damage that you saw. Okay, when I went to go pick up the car, I, I asked the guy. I said, "What happened to my car?" He said, uh, "This is how we got it." I said, okay, you're going to tell me that my, my, my seat's been torn, uh, my gear's been torn, and then you're going to tell me there wasn't no tag, and I showed the tag in the, in the, in the way. I said, they're going to tag right there, so don't tell me it's not a tag. Yeah, that's not so, a tag. The tag is supposed to be that, where it belongs. That's Okay, but I'm just you saying, they, that. You, could, right. you could see it, though. That's what yeah, I'm saying. Argue but with the police it's, it's, and the, your legislature. It has nothing to do with her. But now let's talk about the damages to the car. What happened to your gear shift there? Who do you suppose uh, lifted that up to look for what? Well, that's, that's what I was wanting to find out. I asked him and said, did y'all do this or what? He said, and what they say? Know. He said, I don't know. Oh, he doesn't know if he did it? That's interesting. What <laughs> <Yeah>. is this? <laughs> that's what they tore into. They tore that part. I think they were there thinking that the car was, was bended and they could just tear the car up in, in pieces or whatever. No, I think somebody was looking for drugs. It. That, I thought that was, I thought somebody, that's or, what I said on the yeah. video. I said, what, they looking for drugs or something? Right. But who's they? That's the question. You're suing the tow company. What evidence do you have? If you left the car there and they towed it as an abandoned car, then how do you know somebody from, you know, the neighborhood didn't vandalize your car? Nah. Why is it you're pinning it on them? No, nah, nobody didn't vandalize the car because what it was is that my, my, my cousin, 
All right. She said that she was going out there to check the car too every day. I mean, the lady probably thinking that it was your- that we was like. Now hold on. You see the girls. This is when I had the car in the driveway. Meaning before the tow. Exactly. Now why would I have the, the, the tag up under the chair? All right, and the driveway only because it's in the driveway. But I had the tag. Why do you take it car- off? Most people don't take the tag off. What are you doing with the car that you need the tag off? No, I didn't. I didn't take the car, the tag like off the car. Why is it tagged on the floorboard of the driver's was, seat? I'm trying to tell you. Yeah, I'm what it to is? Hear it. Okay, so what it is is that that was the one that's in the driveway. Now, what, if you go back to, to it, you know how everyone's always detaching their license plate when they're in a driveway. Absolutely. Right. That All never happens. Why are you doing it? I just bought the car. I just bought the car. So you what put it, it on it, when you drive it, and then you take it off when you're in the driveway. No, no, no. Listen, I just bought the car. I had a temporary temporary tag on on it first. But right? this isn't a temporary I, tag. I, this is a real tag. I know. Now. I just. I know. I got the real tag. I got the real tag. Right. All right. And then when I went to Far Rockaway, I put the tag on on on, on uh, in the uh, what's the name in um in the window. All right. So now when I, you pick up your car, let's look at all the pictures of the damage to your car because clearly somebody's looking for something. I've I never seen this that. before. Like in other words, I've never seen either, this kind either, of damage at a tow company uh, or anybody complain. Hey, the tow company was searching my car for some. Isn't it more likely somebody else who thought they might find something did that? No, 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 okay. no. No, okay. no. The car was in tip-top shape before they even got towed. How old is tip-top the car? Uh, it's 2008. 13 years old. All right. Something. Is your cousin here to testify what condition the car was in, like, minutes before being towed? No, right? Your she cousin's could, not here. No, she, nah, uh, okay. you can call her, though, if you want to. No, I'm not going to call her. You call her. You know, the, you call her as a witness. I mean, you know, this is where we are. Now, let me ask you something, Ms. Nardi. Did you or anybody at your, uh, in your employ destroy the plaintiff's car looking for something? No. So do you folks fill out a form when you um, tow the car? Yes. Did you submit into evidence the form that you guys filled out? Yes, I did. Does it talk about any damage? Um, the drivers mark down if there's any damages on the outside of a car or inside. Okay. Dents, scratches, all around, inside damages. Well, it would be nice if they specified what the inside damages were. I don't know where they get that from because they, they didn't have that. That's the form that is filled out when they pick it up. But, Ms. Nardi, the whole point of the form is to be specific. Why is your driver writing inside damages? No, I do agree. Yeah, <laughs> I, do agree I bet I bet he's uh, he or she has heard from you on that. Yes. <laughs> Why is the interior marked fair when it should have been marked poor based on what I'm uh, hearing? Do you guys exactly. have the keys to the inside of the car? Do you have the keys to the car? Only if the officer has it. And the officer didn't have the keys to the car? No. Okay. Mr. Howie, how are you going to prove but, that this company damaged your car versus that when you had it abandoned, as the police call it, on the street with no tags, that it got, you know, broken into by other people? How are you going to how do you know you were out of town? You don't know. You don't have no, any clue. I, Why I, would I, I hold them you. responsible? I, you just told me that what? I, OK, I just told you that my cousin. <laughs> How, how, no, no, check it out. How in the world did I know that the, that, that the car was towed if it wasn't for my cousin? My cousin came there every, uh, every, uh, every day to check that on the That doesn't car. mean your cousin came every day there, but more importantly, I have not been able to put your cousin under oath because you don't have your cousin here as a witness, you see? 
So your cousin isn't testifying at all. You're giving me rank hearsay, which I have no way to find out if that's true or not. And plus, if you were parked in front of my house and you were my cousin, I would not make it my top priority to stare at your car for a week while you're gone, much less two weeks while you're gone. So it's just a silly premise um, to begin with. I find in favor of the defendant. Yeah, I know. Yeah, right. I find oh, in favor of the defendant tow company. You have zero evidence that they did anything to your car. So the judge finds for the defendant, Ms. Nardi, in this case. Uh, Howie, let me ask you, the plaintiff, uh, why did you not drive to the airport and park your car at the airport so it'd be safe? Because what it is, it's most safer right there with, with my cousin. I thought it would be anyway. I mean, it would have been if it wasn't for the, the lady of, of the resident right there. It was just like she knew it was my car. I don't know why she kept calling 311. It's like pretty yeah. much All right. maybe I don't know. Well, you learned you, know, you learned a tough lesson. What are you going to do with the car? You fix going to fix it up? I mean, it's your car. You're going to keep it, right? I, I I sold it. I sold it to my 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 my, my uncle because <laughs> the car's been just giving me problems since I had it. It's just like a curse. <laughs> yeah, well, tough lesson for you, uh, Ms. Nardi. Do you feel sorry for him? I know you weren't. You know, you're not guilty of anything, but you feel sorry for him. I do. I, I do feel bad when people are in situations like this, but I always remind them, you know, if you are going to leave your car on a city street unattended, it could be countless of numbers of things that could happen. And it's never in the vehicle owner's favor. <laughs> yeah, especially in New York. <laughs> it can happen. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much. Congratulations. Okay, Harvey. You know, Doug, this is a tough situation because the police generally do write out what kind of damage is in the car. And certainly the tow company could do that ahead of time to prove that they didn't do the damage. And in this case, the tow company won. What's the best decision you have made in your life? I have a list of important decisions that I've made in my life. Number one, I picked the right girl to marry. Okay. Picked the right woman. And I realized, okay, now that we've gotten that out of the way. Yeah. Okay, so I know, look, I know I'm punching way above my weight class oh. here in this relationship, okay? And I appreciate that. But <laughs> let's turn to some of the other things, okay? Um, for example, friends. I think I just, I was lucky that I picked good friends uh, throughout my life who have, you know, hopefully nudged me the right way and helped me make decisions in along the way especially my roommate in college. He was the right guy at the right time to kind of push me back to the middle of the road, kind of help me get out of the ditch. And he had terrific study habits. I did not when I got to college. And then lastly, um, I would say becoming a, a federal prosecutor was a great decision. Brought me to Miami. I thought I'd be there only for a couple of years and then go back to Boston, but I married a Cuban woman. So. And Cuban women don't leave Miami. They don't leave. They just won't leave. So now I'm in Miami and I love it there. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Whether it's routine maintenance and emergency repair or a dream project, Angie lets you compare quotes from multiple local pros, browse homeowner reviews, and even book a service instantly. Angie's been connecting people with skilled pros for nearly 30 years. So the next time you have a home project, bring it to Angie to get your job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. 
This is the plaintiff, Judy Brooks-Says. She says the defendant crashed into her lamppost with his lawnmower, damaging it. He said he was a man of his word and that he would fix it, but he hasn't, and shame on him. She's suing for $374.31, the amount she's out. This is the defendant, Eldrin Howard. He says the plaintiff's trying to take advantage of him. He admits knocking over her old rusty lamppost, and he said he would replace it. But this woman's trying to up the price on him and change their agreement, so he wants the judge to decide. He's accused of saying one thing and doing another. All parties, please hit your right hands. Welcome back to the People's Court. Next case on the docket, the plaintiff says that her lawn-cutting guy slammed his mower into her light post and broke the thing in half. But the defendant says the rest of the old thing was about to fall down anyway, so why should he buy her a brand new one? It's the case of a lamppost letdown. Thank you, Douglas. Okay, Ms. Brooks says what happened. I'm going to have to new judge. Um, Howard does my lawn, and he brings his heifers on July the 16th. They came over to do my lawn, and one of his heifers was driving the, he was driving the lawnmower. I went and sat on the couch for, for them to finish like I always do, and when they finish, I come back to the door so I can pay them. All of a sudden, I heard this loud noise, almost like an automobile crash up, and I, I rushed up and looked at the door, and my, my uh, electric lamppost was laying on the ground, and a uh, part of it, it was, the pole was, was knocked from the base at the bottom of the base, and wires was and hanging was showing. Okay. And and one the heifer said something about when the um, when the house how old was it? Somebody said oh, but when I purchased this home, I renovated it inside and I cut the bushes in the front and put a new lamp post because the so old how old was I, the lamp post? I uh, since twenty fourteen. Okay. All right. What happened, uh, Mr. Howard? Are uh, were you there when it happened? Yes, yes, I was. Um, I, I cut Miss Judy. I've been cutting her, Your Honor, for like three years now. This year, she kind of changed the game up. She had I didn't cut her the first time I cut her was was already May seventh, and then she didn't have me come back and cut her again until June twenty first. Mind you, she's getting like six weeks growth that time. The grass in the front was over a foot high on august 4th we were doing the best we could and the lawnmower bag caught her post it knocked the post down and i said okay i'm responsible for that post she said that she would allow me to replace it and we go from there okay so when did you did you try to replace it because i didn't get a chance well what is didn't get a chance it's july 16th when it happens and she says it was August 4th when she went ahead and fixed it herself. So that's two weeks. Right. And we had just spoke that week before that. And I said, OK, I come by a couple of days later and it's fixed. And OK, so you're saying. Was- I'm, so hold on one second. You say that it was all arranged. And then in how many days later, two days later, 20 days later. Oh, well, 20 days is a long time for you to have been gone ahead and fixed it. Why didn't you fix it? And, and, and Okay, I, I take that. But then 
she, like she just said, that light's eight, ten years old. The reason that it broke, you can see the pictures. It was totally rusted on the bottom. And Where do I see it rusted see on the bottom? Right here. Where? I'm looking at it. What, what, what part of the picture did you want me to look at that shows it rusted? All right. It doesn't. It, this, is, this was an uh, eight-year-old light that's been in the elements for eight years. Okay. And then but she got a so are, Okay. You are admitting liability. That I broke it. But you yes. are not admitting damages. You're not admitting part two of a lawsuit, which is how much do you owe me? So you think that yes. she is asking for too much at $374.31, which was $174 for the lamppost and $200 to an electrician to hook it up. So you we're, think that she is asking too much because you could have gotten it done cheaper, but you didn't, did you? But you didn't. I, I spoke to her, though. I kept in touch with her. And I, I, ma'am, I, I contact this lady every week. And then I talk to her. I, I, work, I go by her house because I show my buddy. I said, look, we got to get this. It's done already. So I, according like, to you, I don't even Ms. make that in a month. I only cut a few yards. I cut her yards like once every two months. I never even charge her more. The yard to deal was for every two weeks. Yeah, but we're not that here about that. We're here about whether she jumped the gun or didn't jump the gun yes. and whether she has a right to a new lamppost because you broke hers and she wasn't planning on buying a new lamppost. You're, we're here about whether I should be depreciating the value of the lamppost. It's not like she can fix the lamppost or sell it. So this is one of the few instances where someone would get replacement value because they can't use or sell the thing you damaged. So okay, now, uh, I'm I, trying to I, understand you when you say I was in constant contact, uh, Ms. Brooks says you you uh, dispute that, that he was in constant contact, correct? Tell me, yeah. tell me what happened in those 20 days. I called Mr. Howard. He was supposed to come Monday after the lamppost was broken on the Friday. Mr. Howard did not call me nor come over. And I, but I called him that night, left a message for him to call me. Tuesday morning early, he called me and said, Miss Judy, he always called me Miss Judy. He said, I'll come over Thursday. Thursday coming went Friday morning, I called him. And here's what Mr. Howard told me. He said, listen, Miss Judy. He says, I'll be over Sunday afternoon with the person that damaged uh, my lamppost. He said he had bought me a new one. I said, but it's lacking. He said, Miss Judy, I'll take care of it. He didn't show up Sunday. And, okay. and when Mr. Howard never took on his own to call me back until he saw the lamppost in my yard uh, August 9th. Which That's was how many time. weeks later? About three weeks later, once you were tired yes, of chasing was, him. Your, yes, Your Honor. Yeah, I guess, I guess she shouldn't have had to chase you, Mr. Howard. You could have gotten it no. done for cheap. But here's the thing. If from the beginning she had said, no, I don't want you touching it, she would have a right to say that because you don't have a right to fix it on the cheap. You understand? Like she could just say, you know what? No, I want a licensed electrician here. I'm not going to let, you know, uh, Joe Schmo fix it. I want you know, what I want. And she could say that because it's her lamppost that you broke. But here I am, I'm listening to this and it's like, oh, I'll be there Thursday. Oh, I'll be there Sunday. Right, I guess you kind of should have done because she was going to give you a chance to do it on the cheap. I find in favor of the plaintiff in the amount of $374.31. Good luck, folks. Thank you, Your Honor. Thank you. So the plaintiff prevails. She gets her money. She's happy. But let's talk to Mr. Howard. I don't know if he's happy or not. Mr. Howard, what's going through your mind uh, right now? I guess the judge paid attention to her. He didn't even notice how she comes on the phone and says, my heifers, you know, you could tell that she's somebody that's disrespectful. 
and didn't give me a fighting chance. She, she, she's making me pay $200 for electric, electrician to where we have electricians in our family. My brother's an electrician, you know, and it's like, why I got to pay that $200 because I didn't come that Sunday and she goes a day later and fixes it. And then eh, it is what it is. That's why I told her before. Well, she it's your problem. Yeah, I told her. You kept saying you were going to show up. You were going to show, but you didn't, and and that cost you. Miss Brooks said, "You are you, you seem delighted. You're happy now, right?" Well, you know what? It's not idea of the money. It's the way he treated me. I trusted him. He gave me his word, and I'm older. Your word's supposed to be your bond. I have been very upset about this, and he didn't have the respect to call me. And I would have worked with him. I didn't want to come to court. I hate computers. I don't want to be on a computer. I'd rather be home. I would accept his great arrangement, but he never called me. I had to call him, and that's the truth. Well, congratulations. You Thank stuck you. to your guns. Good enough. Thank you okay, so much. You're welcome. Thank you. All right, Harvey, what you think? So, Doug, look, I mean, the guy didn't show up to fix it, and the plaintiff had every right to go somewhere else, uh, get it repaired, and then charge the guy for what it cost. Now, in a situation like this, where the guy who cuts lawns is not skilled at repairing light posts, there is no obligation to make him at least fix it in the first instance. The customer can go to a reputable repair company to do the job. A neighbor has a tree cut down and dust from that falls on someone's car. Is the neighbor who had the tree cut down liable for getting the other person's car washed? This is almost like an abstract kind of little law school question that you might get on an exam or something. Could there be liability for that? Because I can't imagine somebody suing you when the measure of the damages is 20 bucks. A car wash. Over a car wash, really. But um, yeah, I suppose yeah, you could sue. Yeah, you could. I mean, uh, the neighbor is going to have the tree cut down. They know in advance that they're going to have the tree cut down. They could have notified you and said, hey, can you move your car? Or, hey, I have a cover. Or let's put a sheet over your car. Anything like that. And what if you're a total car geek like me and, you're, and, and the car's just been completely detailed and waxed and it's a bluebird, sunny day. It's great outside. You got the car out there. Maybe you're going to do a photo shoot that day. Who knows? Of your, you know how you do that all the time. Yeah, you so. know how people are doing photo shoots of their car. <laughs> Whatever, but you know. I mean, I guess technically, yes, you know, you'd be, uh, I, I don't recommend it. I don't right. recommend, filing. I recommend driving a block fast and yeah. then, you know, like driving a block fast right. enough for the dust to fall <laughs> off it. <laughs> and uh, and then we don't have a problem. But technically right. speaking, it is kind of a classic law school question. Yeah. You owe a duty of care to others that whatever, you know, and we see this a lot in construction sites, obviously, would be. Right. Where they have know, a lot of obligations right. to mitigate dust. They might have fencing and, right. and, and different things right. like that. Right, that where you, you do have an obligation to try to see to it that other people's stuff right. isn't, quote, harmed. Um, you know, it seems a little excessive over a car wash yeah, and some dust, so. but I guess technically Just hose it off. Yes. <laughs> yeah. hose it off. Just drive. But, or you drive. <laughs> This is the plaintiff, Janine Sayed. She says she was looking to rent office space for her chiropractic practice, and she gave the defendant a deposit, which he now refuses to give her back. He made her sign the contract, and after she signed it, he added deposits are non-refundable. He can't do that. She's suing for $1,000, the money she's out. This is the defendant, Gurpal Aluwalia. He says the plaintiff knew full well deposits are non-refundable because it was clearly written on the paperwork she signed. 
He lost out due to the plaintiff's change of mind, and he isn't returning a thing. He's accused of illegally altering a contract. All parties, please raise your right hands. Welcome back to the People's Court. Next case in the docket, the plaintiff says she rented office space from the defendant, put down a deposit for her chiropractic business. It didn't work out. The guy changed the contract and now won't give her a refund. But the defendant says it was clearly written on the contract that deposits are non-refundable when she's signed and he owes her nothing. It's the case of... You're breaking my back. Thank you, Douglas. <laughs> You're welcome. Okay, Ms. Sayed, you have a chiropractic and natural wellness center, and you are suing Mr. Aluwalia and his company because they won't return a $1,000 deposit you placed on office space there. Tell me what happened. Okay, well, on uh, April 29, uh, 2021, um, I was searching for an office space um, on the internet. Um, I, I saw one that I really liked on Craigslist. Uh, so on May 4th, uh, I went to, uh, to see the office space. We liked it. And uh, I told them, uh, please, you know, uh, tell us like what we need to bring in because uh, we really like it. Did we you pay a deposit? Uh, yes. Um, so on uh, May 4th, I, I uh, um, gave him a deposit for $1,000. And he also let me sign a piece of paper. Um, it says, uh, you know, something about like, I love the deposit until the lawyer reads it, you know, a legal binding contract and so forth. So, um, so when I signed the paper, so then he said, uh, he took the paper back for me and he wrote something on it. Um, I didn't see what he wrote on it cause I thought it was a date or his signature, but I ended up, uh, making a copy of the uh, check and also the, uh, paperwork. Well, according to you. After you signed it and gave him the money, he added the words right in front of you, non-refundable? Yes, that's correct. So according to you, when you signed it, those words were not there? No, it wasn't there. And according to you, he adds them right in your presence? Yes. Well, if you saw him adding them, why didn't you snatch it back and say, forget it? I I don't do business this way. Um, During that time, I was just very excited about the office space. Tell me what happened between uh, yes. then and now. Um, I, I told him that, um, cause at that time I, w- I was very sure that I was going to take that office. Uh, but then when he gave me the, uh, contract, uh, the, the sublease, um, I, uh, he had, I think forwarded to my lawyer and then he gave me a call back and told me, uh, this, um, sub this lease is not in your favor. It's a money pit. Um, you're responsible for everything. Uh, the, the, um, the repairs, the pipes, the leaks. Um, uh, if some, if a glass is broken, you're responsible for that. Um, there was just a lot of things. Okay. And then he uh, told me after three mo- years, uh, there will be a 6% um, uh, uh, increase in the rent. Right. And that's, are you saying that none of that was discussed with you beforehand at the time that you gave the $1,000? Um, uh, no, he, he had uh, texted uh, something. Um, uh, that the first year was going to be 2200 the second year is going to be 2300 the third year is going to be 2400 and then 6% afterwards. He had told you that? Yes, he so did. So what were the taxes. surprises for you, not for your lawyer, but for you, what in the lease was a surprise? Anything or no, that's, every, that's what you and he had discussed? Um, you just hadn't had a chance um, to talk to your lawyer? Yes, um, he, he was telling me uh, you would be responsible for any uh, broken pipes, any uh, 
leaks. Is um, that something that you and the defendant had discussed uh, verbally before he gave you the lease or no? No. Okay. So that was new information to you, according to you. Yes. All right. Let me hear from you, uh, Mr. Aluwalia. Um, First of all, when we met the first time, I'd already instructed her that I would need a deposit uh, of some amount before I can start with the legal paperwork to give you the lease. Uh, she saw the place. She was uh, happy with the place. Uh, she went discussed, and then she called me back a couple of days later, and she saw it again. And at the second time, everything we discussed, I put it in a text, and I sent it to her. Okay, so let's see as the text that you discussed and then the, the contract that you gave and see if there's a difference. Okay, so I see the April 30th text where you're saying all the paperwork and uh, third year, 6%. Do you ever mention that... What, like what she says, that all repairs are something she would have to yes, do. Yes, I did. Where is on that the in the text? Because I don't see it in the text. It's, it's not on the text, but uh. I told her she was trying to compare it. But because she was trying to compare an apartment that she's renting and doing her business out of to a commercial storefront. And I told her, commercial property, you are responsible for everything. Welcome back to the People's Court. Did the defendant bamboozle the plaintiff? by changing the contract after the plaintiff signed it. Let's find out by going back into the courtroom. Let's see the lease that you provided because it's all gonna boil down to whether there's anything in the lease that's different from uh, what was discussed. Now, your attorney looked at this and said, wait a second, you've gotta pay for everything. And he or she found that to be shocking that the landlord would not pay for any repairs. Correct, Ms. Sayed? Yes. Is this a sublease, Mr. Aluwalia? Yes, it is. Did you ever tell her it would be a sublease? Uh, yes, it is. When I even spoke to her, and then it says right on the lease itself. It's a sublease. No, no, I know the lease itself says it. I'm asking you, Ms. Sayed, did you know it was a sublease? I thought it was a lease. Did he ever tell you that he was subletting it, that he leases it from someone else? Did he ever tell you that? No, he never told me that, no. I did tell her on the second and the second time we met. Yes. Okay. Right. Besides yes, verbally saying, yes, I did. No, I didn't. Do you have anything in the binder or in a text or in an email to show that at the time that she gives a thousand dollars, she f- is fully aware that this is a sublease and fully aware that she would have to pay for all repairs and you would pay for nothing. See, the reason this is relevant, Mr. Aluwalia, is because if you guys have an agreement and I pay a deposit and I hold you up by paying that deposit. You can't negotiate with anybody else. You can't rent it to anybody else. You know, deposits are typically non-refundable, whether it's written or not. The whole point of a deposit is to hold a place. How do you think it's going to be free for you? What, are you going to go around town putting deposits everywhere? So typically, a deposit is non-refundable. I'm totally with you on that. Even if it hadn't been written in there, I would be thinking the deposit's non-refundable. The exception to that would be if all of a sudden when you hand her the contract, it has things you guys didn't discuss. Because then at the time of the giving you of the thousand, there wasn't a meeting of the minds. There has to be a meeting of the minds. You can't sneak in things afterwards and say, okay, I guess you're not going to take it, but I'm still going to take your thousand. You understand what I'm saying? You know, if it's an application fee, you need to be calling it an application fee. But if you're calling it a deposit, then I have to apply deposit law. You see? So... Exactly what, other than spitting out an, a, a, a lease, is there anything that you did based on her application uh, in order to approve her? What did you do? 
mean, I looked at all our paperwork and so forth, and whatever we, I know, I know, I know what you're saying about the verbal, but whatever we agreed on, I put it in a text. I, I know, but I'm looking at the text, and, and I am looking with right. my it eyes say at the text, and there. it doesn't say everything you're asking her to sign on the lease. It doesn't, right? But if I put everything, that, that text message would be... That's why you know, a lot of times people won't call this a deposit. They'll call it an application fee. It probably wouldn't be $1,000. It'd be 500 until you hand over the lease, and then they say, yeah, I'm going to want this, and then you ask them for a deposit. Then they can't complain that you stuck things in the lease that they didn't know about and had never discussed with you. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Because... Because it is relevant. Mm -hmm. Her lawyer did look at it and say, well, there's this expense and that expense. Wait a second. That doesn't look normal to me. Uh, this isn't customary or whatever. Her lawyer gave her a bunch of advice. She was super psyched about this. She wasn't trying to, you know, just reserve it and, and gallivant around town looking for something else. I can see from the text that she's, uh, you know, do I need a permit to paint? The painters are coming by. She really wanted this place. But then, you know, she pays a lawyer and the lawyer tells her, no, you know, you really, I don't think that this is in your best interest. This is a sublease. Did you know that you're responsible? Yeah, this, I advise you not to. And then she says, okay, I'm going to follow my lawyer's advice because these are all new things. But just so we're all clear, I'm not sure I buy this. He added the non-refundable stuff. So I don't think I'm falling for that because I'm not. But I still have to sit here, look at it and say to myself, all right, should it remain non-refundable if there are things that they never discussed sitting down there? So I would have to find that all those things were discussed by you guys. It's your word against hers on that. All right. Based on what I'm listening to, I am going to order a refund of the deposit $1,000 verdict for the plaintiff. So the plaintiff prevails. She's going to get her money back after all, the deposit. Let's see what the defendant has to say. Mr. Alawalia, are you surprised at the judge's decision? Yes, somewhat surprised. I mean, uh, there's no way to discuss every little thing with the uh with the plaintiff it is what it is it is what it is unfortunately you got to give that money back all right miss sayed how do you feel about the outcome of the case what are you thinking right now i'm very satisfied with the outcome of the uh, case um i just re rented another office space in rego park new york and all i have to pay is the rent the cable fee and the phone no taxes no water bills so um you know th that was the surprise when my lawyer told me that well, it's a good thing you took this to your lawyer. That was a smart move on your on your part. Yes, correct. Okay, you've learned a lot out of this, and uh, hopefully, you'll be happy in your new in your new place for your new practice. All right, smart lady, Harvey. What do you think? So, Doug, you know, when people sign a contract, they never really think, "Oh my God, what happens if I have to sue them?" And so, they take a lot for granted. And they think, oh, nobody's going to screw me over. So, you know, I just really won't read it or whatever. That's obviously not the case because we've been on the air a hundred years. So what you got to understand is that when you sign a contract, you should always get a copy back so that you can show the judge, this is what I signed and they've changed the deal if that's really the case. If someone comes inside a store I work at and refuses to wear the mask, do I have the right to take the person by the arm <laughs> and put him outside? 
A private business can run their business, their store, any way they want to in terms of uh, how they're going to serve people, who they're going to serve, what they're going to require you to wear when you come inside, how they're going to have you behave when you come inside, as long as they don't run afoul of our, our fundamental civil rights laws and exclude people or pick on people because of race, religion, gender, and, and the various categories that apply. The, the problem I see with this idea of just grabbing them by the arm and throwing them out is that some people can't wear a mask because of medical conditions uh, and the like. That's the problem? It's not the grabbing them by the arm part no, that's no, the you problem? you escort them out. You, you don't say, grab them by the arm. You call the police. That'll do it for this session of The People's Court. We'll see you next time.